from the 57th Annual National Conference and Convention for the American Council of the Blind in St. Louis, Missouri. This episode was first posted July 25th, 2011, my brother's birthday. And this is a great movie, one of my faves. This is Movies for the Blind, episode 178, The Man Who Changed His Mind, part one of two. If the monkeys eat you, don't blame me. Hello and welcome to Movies for the Blind, where you can enjoy films without looking at a screen. I'm Valerie Hunter. The last time we crossed paths with Boris Karloff was way back in episodes 16 and 17, when he was a mysterious spy in the wartime drama British Intelligence. It was a bit of a departure for the man who became a star playing Frankenstein's monster. This film, done a few years after first putting on the square head and the tall boots, is a little closer to Karloff's wheelhouse of the macabre and unexplained, playing a scientist perceived as mad. The real madness may lie in the judgments and exploitation that aren't too far removed from those going on in the press and establishment today. See what you think. From 1936, this is The Man Who Changed His Mind. In an ornate oval frame, a woman in a feathered hat and 19th century style dress smiles and nods. A Gainsborough picture. Gaumont British Picture Corporation Limited presents Boris Karloff in The Man Who Changed His Mind. With John Loder, Anna Lee, Frank Sellier. Directed by Robert Stevenson. Screenplay, Eldegard Peach, Sidney Gilliatt, John L. Balderson. Photography, Jack Cox. Musical direction, Louis Levy. Recordist, W. Salter. Editing, R.E. Deering, Alfred Room. A Gainsborough picture, controlled throughout the United Kingdom and the Irish Free State by Gaumont British Distributors Limited. Dr. Lorenz, with white hair and a wry smirk, Boris Karloff. Dr. Claire Wyatt, a pretty blonde woman, Anna Lee. Dick Hazelwood, a handsome young man, John Loder. Lord Hazelwood, an older stocky man, Frank Sellier. Clayton, playing piano from a wheelchair, Donald Calthrop. Dr. Grattan, Cecil Parker. Professor Holloway, Lynn Harding. In a hospital's operating theater, two masked doctors finish a surgery, then walk out to wash up in sinks. Nurses untie the doctor's masks and gowns as they wash. One doctor turns to his colleague. Well, that's the last time we shall operate together. Claire turns to him with a smile. You sound very gloomy. You're determined to go? Quite. Well, I suppose in your language that means... Quite. Quite. Yeah. As she dries her hands, another colleague enters. And where's Dr. Wyatt going? Into the wilds to work for a mad brain specialist. Eccentric. Dr. Lorenz of Genoa. Well, his record is a little unorthodox. It wasn't when I worked with him in Genoa. You'll find it very different now. 
Anyway, take care of yourself. I will. Goodbye. She turns to her nurse. Goodbye, sister. And leaves with Grattan. Uh, seriously, Claire, I should think twice before going. But why? Lorenz has done brilliant work. Uh, not in the past three years. You know, they threw him out of Genoa. His ideas became impossible. There's something queer about him now. There's always something queer about a genius. You're set on going? Quite. I suppose in the old language, that means quite. Eh? <laughs> Later, as she tosses things into a suitcase in her apartment, she looks in the mirror to find Dick walking in. Hello. Why aren't you in Fleet Street? I've been checking up on Lorenz, and he's not the kind of thing a young girl should know. Dick, we've been over that before. Oh, but you don't know the half of it. He's arrived in England with a couple of monkeys and claims he's discovering the human soul. He wrote and asked me to go, and I'm going. I've got a far better plan. What? Stay here and marry me. Dick. Oh, I know I mentioned it before, but you always get the answer wrong. <laughs> I must go, Dick. It's my job. Hmm, you're going to be awkward. Not awkward, dear, just firm. Well, in that case... He steps back to the door, which he opens and brings in his own suitcase from the hall. What's that for? I'm coming with you. You're doing nothing of the sort. But you need someone to look after you. Sorry, Dick, but I specialize in looking after myself. Then I pack my bag for nothing. I'm afraid so. How I hate strong-minded women. <laughs> they embrace. Later, a train speeds into the countryside. In her compartment, Claire wakes from dozing when she notices the train slowing at a station. She stands and gets something from a shelf above her, moves her suitcase to the floor, and picks up a purse and briefcase. She opens her door and steps onto the platform, grabbing a suitcase. She walks out of the station. You for the manor? Yes. She approaches a carriage, opened by Dick. Dr. Wyatt, I presume. Didn't I tell you I could look after myself? You did? She climbs in. I persuaded my editor that there was a story in Lorenz and caught the train you missed. You're very sweet, darling. But when I say a thing... She shuts him out and rides away. Hey! What about my interview? There isn't going to be an interview. If the monkeys eat you, don't blame me. Later, in darkness and fog, the carriage driver stops. Picking up Claire's cases, he steps down and opens her door. Half a crown, miss. She steps out and gets the money from her purse, noticing how far they are from the manor. Can't you take me to the door? I don't go to that door. He climbs back onto the carriage as she picks up her cases, and he drives away. She walks over a small bridge toward the old manor laced with overgrown foliage. Ascending steps to a front door, she sets down her cases and holds a bell pole. As she looks about outside, Clayton rolls his wheelchair through the foyer. Claire peeks through a crack in the door and spots him coming. He opens the door. The name is Clayton. One of the doctor's more hopeless cases. He jerks a thumb. Come in. She picks up her cases and carries them inside as Clayton reverses. Intercranial cyst. Rare and very curious. But I thought... Go on. Say it. I thought that was always fatal. Most of me is dead. The rest of me is damned. Lorenz manages to keep the residue alive. Why is his own affair? I'm terribly sorry. Oh, don't worry about me. You'll find Lorenz in there. She follows his direction to a door as he watches her with a scowl. When she enters a room, Lorenz looks up from behind beakers. Dr. Lorenz! He steps out from behind them to shake her hand. I am glad to see you. I thought... You're thinking that I am changed. You're right. I am changed. He turns to a mirror. The leading surgeon in Genoa. 
the greatest authority upon the human brain until I told them something about their own brain. He turns back to her, running his fingers through his hair. Then they said I was mad. Look at me. Am I mad? Clayton enters. Is she to have a room? Of course, of course, there are lots of rooms. Take any one you like. Haven't you a housekeeper? Only Clayton. You've seen him. And she was not amused. Clayton turns to leave. Why did you send for me? You might have had an experienced scientist. I don't want experienced scientists. Their minds are set. Like trains, they run only to the terminus and back again to the beginning. But I remembered you in Genoa. You were so young, a child, but you had faith in what was new and courage to face things. And now you shall work with me here, and I shall show you strange things about the mind of man. He holds her shoulders. You will follow me without fear. Without fear. Later, Clayton plays piano in a room. Well, did her ladyship like her room? Lorenz stalks forward, smoking. You didn't want her to come here. I don't like women. I had to have help in my work. But why choose a woman? She's a scientist. A female scientist? Well? All tears and hysterics and can't keep a secret. She wanted to work with me and she's going to. He steps away to a door. Have you told her exactly what your work is? Not yet. Why not tell her? Then perhaps she may change her mind. Lorenz leaves with a flashlight. In her bed, Clara pauses from brushing her hair. Her eyes widen when she turns to a window where a pebble has been thrown, followed by some dirt. Getting out of bed, she approaches the window, opens it and looks down. Hello! Shh! Go away! But Dick steps to a gnarled trellis and climbs it. Do you know why there are no servants in this house? He reaches the cell. Because they won't stay here. They were scared out of their lives. How do you know? Your cabbie told me. Lorenz is a scientist with a great reputation. Yes, you should hear what they say in the village. I don't care what they say in the village. Anyway, the whole thing seems fishy to me. Will you please go? You, I won't. But he slips and falls. Claire smiles down as he gets to his feet. <coughs> then she puts a finger to her lips. Dick hurries to a bush and hides behind it. As the front door opens, and Lorenz steps out with the flashlight, taking the cigarette from his mouth. He looks around intently. The flashlight's beam passes the bush without detecting Dick. Smoking again, Lorenz retreats back into the manor. Dick steps out of hiding and returns to the window. I'll be at the Red Bull. Will you promise to send for me if anything happens? All right, I promise. He walks away, then turns back for a wave, which Claire returns. Lorenz approaches her door. She closes the window, then rushes back to bed. Anyone there? No. Why? Sorry, I, I thought I heard voices. Good night. He walks off. Good night. And she picks up a candle, which she blows out. Setting it back on a side table, she settles to sleep. Next day in the kitchen, Clayton watches Claire pump water into a basin to wash dishes. The great scientist's assistant washing up a coffee pot. When did you wash it last? Never. I thought not. She drops a towel. Well, why wash it when it's never used for anything else? She picks up a pot from the stove. You didn't like me coming here, did you? You don't like me. I'm sorry for you. I wonder which revolts you most. She closes the coffee pot. My miserable body or my perverted mind. You think... Why doesn't Lorenz let him die? Well, I'll tell you. Because I'm the only person who understands him. 
I understand him. You understand, Lawrence? One day you'll realize how little you do. Later, a newspaper article is headlined, Mystery Scientist Sets Village Whispering. At the Red Bull. You didn't know you told me all that. I told you nothing. I heard you. Lucky Lorenz won't see it. Why not? They don't have no paper at the manor. Dick grabs the paper. If I don't come back, drag the lake. Where are you going? He opens a door. The manor to enroll another certified reader. He leaves. Certified's right. Later, the bell pull is tugged. Claire crosses the foyer with its cracked walls and goes to answer the door. She smiles when she finds Dick. Hello. I came to see if you were still all right. Well, am I? Apparently. Come for a walk on the estate. Listen, darling, you don't seem to realize I'm here on a serious job. You're just trying to make it more difficult. I'm trying to make it impossible. Well, don't. I promise I'll come back as soon as I can. All right. Goodbye. Goodbye. They shake hands. You don't like serious jobs. On the contrary. All my own work. Take a look. I will. She accepts the paper. Goodbye. At the breakfast table. It's the first time you've taken any interest in food since you've been here. It's the first time there's been any. Reading the paper, Claire's eyes go wide. Come, come, come now. Let's get back to work. What's wrong? Nothing. As she follows him away, she leaves the paper behind. With his right eye drooping, Clayton pushes his wheelchair forward. In the lab, Lorenz pours a liquid into a tall, thin vessel and examines it. Clayton enters with the paper. This may amuse you. He picks it up and glances through the article. You told them all this. Me? Why me? How should I know? Your mind is as twisted as your body. Don't forget, if I leave out one injection, I don't mind dying. But to be accused of journalism. He rolls out. In her office. This is a very good story. Yes, Lord Hazelwood. I like it very much. Uh, yes, Lord Hazelwood. He stands. You agree with me? Uh, yes, Lord Hazelwood. Then why is it hidden away at the bottom of a column? Of course, I know it was your son's story, but... Nothing whatever to do with it. My son must be treated as if he were an ordinary person. In my opinion, these stories... Why have I spent a fortune on scientific research? Because in these days, it's news. But this fellow Lorenz... News. Properly treated, front-page news. If you say so. I don't say so, it's a fact. But I have other views. There are no other views. Then what do you want us to do? Nothing. You know I never interfere in the conduct of my papers. Then we can forget Lorenz. Most certainly not. I'm going down to see him myself. In the lab, in a glass case. A human brain. A brain like the one in here. The same color, appearance, everything. Only one difference. The thoughts in the brain, the personality, the mind are all missing. The brain is dead. That means only this, that what I call the thought content of the brain has gone forever. Until now, it has never been possible to, as it were, extract the thought content from a living brain and leave it alive but empty. I can do it. I can take the thought content from the mind of a living animal and store it as you would store electricity. Wait. Putting a cigarette in his mouth, he steps away. Clayton plays piano as he watches Lorenz leave the lab. Lorenz returns with a chimpanzee who walks beside him in a long white shirt. Claire smiles. As Lorenz closes the door, the chimp reaches into his jacket pocket and pulls out grapes. Lorenz pets it and Claire smiles more. The chimp sucks the grapes from their stem and Lorenz smiles. When Lorenz snaps his fingers and points, the chimp walks in that direction and climbs onto one of two wooden chairs. It puts on a helmet-like headpiece connected to an array of wires and cables. Lorenz approaches the chair. 
and starts gently putting the chimp's arms in restraints. See, he likes it. To him, it's just like going to sleep. Walking behind the chair to a series of levers, he pulls one down. As Claire observes the chimp, Lorenz pulls down other levers, activating a wave of electricity between two poles. The chimp's eyes are closed. When all the levers are down, Lorenz turns to observe the chimp himself. It seems relaxed and docile. Two tubes run through a closed glass jar. Lorenz returns to the levers and turns a crank, shutting down the device. He's alive and well, but his mind is in there. The jar. You say it is, but he looked just the same under an anesthetic. How can you prove it? Would it prove it if I could take this mind and put it in the body of another animal? Of course, but you can't. Tonight I'm going to try for the first time. As Clayton turns to watch, Lorenz leaves the lab again. Curious, Clayton turns his wheelchair toward the door, where another chimp enters with Lorenz. Held by a chain, the unclothed chimp is wilder, and Lorenz must struggle to pull it toward the chairs. It bats at Clayton's blanketed legs. With effort, Lorenz gets it into the other wooden chair and puts another headpiece on it, also restraining it. The other chimp remains unconscious. As Claire watches, Lorenz steps to the levers and pulls one down. The second chimp's eyes are closed. Lorenz pulls up some levers and steps to a board of dials. Now, the mind of the one ape is there. Another jar. The other is there. The first jar. I reverse the connection. When he does so on the board, he turns one dial then goes back to the levers. He pulls one down. He pulls down some more. He turns two more dials and watches the chimps. He watches other readings on his devices. Returning to the levers, he resets them with the crank. Then he steps past Claire to the second chimp, who is already conscious. He removes the restraints and takes off the headpiece. The chimp reaches into his pocket and pulls out some more grapes. Claire and Lorenz share a look as the second chimp munches like the first one had done. Stepping to the first chimp, Lorenz releases it and it screeches like the second chimp. The mind has been changed over. Does that prove it? He took off the mind of the other, the personality, the lights, the distance. The thing that if they were human beings, we would call the soul. If they were human beings? Why not? You can't do that. No. I can't do that. Later at the Red Bull, Dick carries his things downstairs, then stops to find Lord Hazelwood. Ah, Richard! I'm delighted to see you. And I'm delighted to see you. I came to congratulate you on your story. All this way for that? Precisely. It's good work. And I'm happy to acknowledge it as such. Thank you, Father. You seem on good terms with Lawrence. Oh, charming fellow. He welcomed me with open arms. Friendly, eh? Absolutely. I want you to introduce me. 
I'm afraid I couldn't do that. Why not? Well, I've got to get back to London. No, 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 nonsense. You take me to see Lorenz. I'm looking forward to an interesting meeting. You'll get it. I'm sure I shall. But all you have to do is to introduce yourself. No, no, no. Now, don't tell me he doesn't know who you are. The Hazelwood Institute. All you've done in the cause of science. Hmm. He'll be delighted to see you. Yes, yes, perhaps you're right. He walks off. Father, I hope I am. Later at the manor. Hazelwood of the press. Dr. Lawrence, good morning. Forgive my coming here unheralded, if I may use the term, but I imagine my name is not unknown to you. I do not receive the press. If you are thinking of my newspapers... You're here to spy on me. On the contrary, my dear sir, I am here to make you an offer. I am not a journalist and I am not for sale. Were this a press visit, I should hardly have attended in person. Then why are you here? In the interests of science. You are a great scientist, one of the most distinguished. Well? In a small and humble way, I also worship at the shrine. Doubtless you've heard of the research institute which bears my name. The biggest thing of its kind in Europe. It is at your disposal. Any conditions? None at all. Except that our results should be given to the world. Through the medium of the Hazelwood Press? Naturally. My result will be revolutionary. All the better. Sir arrives. May I take it, Dr. Lawrence, that you agree? You'll be sorry if you do. I must work in my own way. How can you work in this atmosphere? If you refer to the smell of bacon, it is no obstacle to scientific research. I must keep my freedom. What freedom have you here? How can you work like this? You need the finest laboratory you can get. You must accept. Concerned, Lorenz considers, then looks at Claire. Very well. I accept. Later, headlines of the Daily Gazette proclaim Lord Hazelwood's boon to science. Famous professor comes to London. Above the head of the man reading is an ad. Study the human brain with Dr. Lorenz in the Daily Gazette. The message is repeated on pennants flown from a kite. Brain genius at Hazelwood Institute reads Gazette posters plastered all over walls. In a boardroom, Hazelwood considers another poster, Wonder Doctor, to work at our expense. Yes, very satisfactory, gentlemen. He wears a towel around his neck. I venture to say that public interest has never run so high. I'm a bit worried about some of the contents bills. Hmm? Why worried? Don't you think they're a trifle flamboyant? He sits and gets his hair cut. By my express instructions, simplicity has always been our keynote. I think they're definitely cheap. He stands. Simplicity is never cheap. I look upon this as a mission of enlightenment. And we must ensure a proper impact upon the public. I shall wish you to write a special leader. Something on science and the human mind, with perhaps a thoughtful mention of Freud, and a reference to the part my paper plays in furthering the process of evolution. Splashing Lorenz. Naturally, naturally. You might use a photograph. There's an excellent one of us taken together. He sits again. Never rest until we have made Lorenz a household word. But no one knows what he's done. No one knows if he's any good. I flatter myself that I know genius when I see it. He stands with his barber following. In due course, I shall arrange for his results to be announced. The scientific world will be fully represented. Later, perhaps, you would like to consult with me as to the exact form the invitations will take. That form reads, The Right Honorable Lord Hazelwood requests the pleasure of your company at the Hazelwood Institute of Modern Science when Dr. Lorenz will address the association on the motivating forces of personality. That night, dozens of distinguished men arrive at the Institute in top hats and long coats. Soon after, they climb wide stairs in white tie and tails. With a moustache, Holloway approaches Hazelwood. 
Oh, how do you do, Professor? Well, what are you going to infuriate me with this time? Don't ask me, ask Lawrence. Your laboratory he's using, isn't it? Yes, specially equipped for him. And I think I can promise you a surprise. I'm not partial to surprises. Hazelwood rolls his eyes. One nearby. See? The flower of English science. They seem to have wilted a little. I take that as a personal insult. I'm a scientist myself. Really? All right. One of these days you'll be proud to know me. Wouldn't you rather marry me instead? Definitely not. Definitely not? Definitely not. Have you seen Lawrence? No, my lord. Hazelwood hurries to Dick and Claire. Where is Lawrence? We start in precisely three minutes. I'll go and find him. Claire leaves. Pull yourself up, boy. In the new lab, Lorenz works. The finest laboratory you can get. And you've sold yourself for it. Claire enters. They're waiting for you. Hazelwood's having a fit. I forgot I was busy. Why do they have to have this meeting now? Where's your coat? Uh, there. They step past a bust of Hazelwood. I dislike having to publish before the work is ready. Now, don't you worry. Well, why can't they wait till I'm finished? He pats his tailcoat's pockets. Now, they're my notes. Where are they? Here they are. Oh, yes. Now, there. She escorts him to the door, which she opens. Nervous? Why should I be? Soon after... Dr. Lawrence has been working for some weeks in the Hazelwood laboratories, and tonight we are privileged to hear his first account of the results he has obtained. Tomorrow they will be published in every organ of the Hazelwood press. Tonight it is for you to hear and to judge. I do not propose to stand any longer between you and uh, Dr. Lawrence. The audience applauds in the towering rows of the lecture hall as Lorenz takes to the podium. Dick listens through a door outside. I bring you a new knowledge of the human mind. He wanders away a through the lobby. Of the relation of mind and body. A new power. My he steps into the lab, where Lorenz's devices have taken sleeker form. Dick steps to a control board on the wall and touches it, scowling at the shock. He continues up a few stairs to the bust of his father. He bends down, picks up a top hat, and sets it on the head. With a smirk, he goes back down the stairs to the door, motions goodbye to the bust, and leaves. In the hall... The experiments that I have described show that the mind... Some members shift uneasily. Can, be, uh, ...can exist independently. The body is a mere receptacle. Dr. Grattan nudges Claire and points out Holloway frowning. They also show that I, uh, that we, now have the power to take the mind of one animal and transfer it into the body of another. Holloway casts withering looks at his neighbors. Animal will therefore assume the characteristics, the fears, the likes. Grattan and Claire look around, concerned. This I have proved to be a fact. I have been able to take the mind of one chimpanzee and transfer it into the body of another. Holloway stands. May I ask a question? Hazelwood stands. If Professor Holloway wishes to ask questions, he really must wait until the lecture is over. Holloway's colleagues express support for him. Well, in that case... Hazelwood says. Are we to understand that you are serious in putting forward these views? Entirely. And you seriously maintain that the experiments you describe have actually taken place? I do. Thank you. That's all I wanted to know. If I'm lucky enough to pick up a taxi, I can get to Olympia by 10 o'clock. I understand the circus there is excellent. Lorenz gulps as he stares at the members starting to leave. Hazelwood approaches him. Oh, 
see what you've done with your ridiculous claims. He turns away, and Grattan keeps Claire from running down to Lorenz as the crowd files out past him. I will go on. You must miss me. You fool. Claire heads down as the crowd moves on. Now you shall hear what I can do tomorrow. All that has been done with animals can be done with man, with you. There is one of you who can't do what I can give you. Take your mind from your miserable pet bodies and put them into bodies that are strong and young. All right. When you lie on your deathbed, I shall laugh to think of all that you've refused. Lorenz storms out. Claire hurries after him. Entering the lab, Lorenz slams the door. Claire goes through the lobby to the lab. She goes in as Lorenz changes his coat. You heard what I told them. I shall prove once and for all that I told the truth. We'll make the final experiment. This time on myself. You can't do that. Don't forget your promise to follow me without fear. I know. But your own mind is sacred. Sacred? <laughs> Ask them in there. He tightens a jar. Come on, please. Where's Clayton? I'm not going to help you. He turns to her. But you must. Without you, it's impossible. I know. That's why I'm not going to help you. He approaches her. Oh, you two are against me. You know I'm not. You don't know what you're doing. Tomorrow, everything will be different. No, no, it won't be different. The only way to convince them is an experiment on man himself. Then you must work alone. I can't stay with it. You must. We work so well together. We understand each other. Don't you see? I can't work without you. Hazelwood enters. What do you want? You must be perfectly aware of what I want. Lord Hazelwood. Please excuse me. I wish to speak to Dr. Lawrence. I wish to speak to him alone. Claire leaves. Dr. Lawrence, I am grieved, deeply grieved at what has occurred. This is a poor reward for the trust I placed in you. It is my painful duty to ask you to leave my institute. Lorenz looks away, scratching his head. You want to turn me out? I have no choice. As he walks away... This is what comes of having anything to do with your filthy newspapers. Please control yourself. Go on with my work. I shall publish my results in my own way. You do nothing of the sort. I hold the copyright and I shall take possession of your papers. I shan't give them up. You won't be consulted. You signed an agreement. The law will enforce it. Lorenz spins him around. Dutchies, swindler, violence won't help you. Don't think you'll beat me. You and your money will you have it. You haven't. I leave here. I'll take all this with me. On the contrary, it stays here. Tomorrow I shall have it destroyed. I designed it. I built it. With my money in my institute. You used my name for the sort of quackery that wouldn't deceive a schoolboy. But now you're finished here. And your apparatus is mine to do exactly what I like with. You shan't touch it. Hazel would sweep some of it to the floor. And Lorenz clutches his own head, where his thoughts fly. I paid for everything. I paid for everything. I paid for everything. The lab spins around him. Find this laboratory in the world and you sell yourself for it. He remembers Holloway and his colleagues laughing down at him. Liquid in a beaker bubbles over like his panicked thoughts. The lab spins amid smoke. He remembers the docile chimp which became wild in his successful experiment. Then he pictures Hazelwood and Claire. The smoke rises in his head. Later, he sits in a chair. Dr. Lawrence, you feel better? Please forgive me, I spoke hastily. I was not quite myself. Yes, sir. Perhaps I did claim to do too much. 
It was foolish of me to try to deceive you. He stands. Send me away if you like. Take back everything that you've given me. But first, I want to show you something. Uh, I'm afraid it's quite... I only ask you to stay one moment. My time is valuable. I won't waste it. Please sit down. He does. I'm afraid this is the only chair I have to offer you. You must understand that once my mind is made up, you will not change it. He shuts restraints. So I can do it for you. What's the meaning of this? A new experiment and you will be the subject of it. Let me go! He slides closed doors to the entrance. What are you afraid of? Quackery that wouldn't deceive a schoolboy? What, Dr. Lawrence? You said so yourself. Dr. You're Lawrence! You're fond of the sound of your own voice. Well, listen to it. This room that you so kindly built for me is entirely soundproof. What are you going to do? Lawrence draws close. You called me a cheat and a charlatan. Now you're going to help in an experiment to prove that I am not. Clayton arrives. And Lorenz turns to him. Hazelwood watches, shocked. Let him change bodies with you, Clayton. Might be amusing. Might be dangerous. I've nothing to lose. And his lordship is bursting with enthusiasm. He returns to Hazelwood. You, you, you can't do it! Lorenz slides the chair back into a chamber which has replaced the headpiece. Uh-oh. Can Lorenz and Clayton really pull this off? What are the consequences if they do? Find out in the conclusion of The Man Who Changed His Mind next time on Movies for the Blind. For more information and links about the movies, about description, and how to subscribe, go to the blog, moviesfortheblind.com, where you can also find out about this podcast Creative Commons license. And the movies are from the Internet Archive, so please support universal access to human knowledge by visiting and donating at archive.org. Thank you for downloading and for listening. Be back next week. Take care.